Hello, everyone. This is Emily Grace, and welcome to the Stages podcast of Bernstein Private Wealth Management. Life throws a lot of stuff at you at every stage. We're here to talk about it. And today on the stage, we have the three stars of HGTV's Selling New York, Michelle Clyer and her daughter, Sabrina Clyer Morgenstern and Samantha Clyer Forbes. Michelle, Samantha, and Sabrina spent eight seasons on Selling New York, giving us a glimpse into the ultra-competitive world of buying and selling luxury properties in and around Manhattan. They've been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, often as the broker to one celebrity or another, and many other publications. Given that real estate is an important component of so many people's assets, the Clyer women are here to share their insights into today's markets and how to find that perfect home regardless of what stage you are at in your life. Welcome, Michelle, Samantha, and Sabrina. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. So, as brokers who are very active in the New York real estate market, what are you seeing out there? What are the hot trends today? Well, we're seeing a really strange market and a really unpredictable market. Uh, A trend that we are seeing is that apartments are going for 5, 10, 15, 20% below asking. Wow. Which is really unusual. So It's been a long time since we've seen that. A long time since we've seen that. And compared to last year at this time, actually last year at this time it just started to happen that the market was changing. Uh, the earlier spring market and the winter market in 2017 was all very good. But what we are seeing is that if people are willing to take a risk and put in a low bid, instead of people being insulted, sellers being insulted, if you're a good broker, you can maybe get them to counter and maybe come somewhere in between Some so more that you actually can make today. a deal. Yeah, and, and the realistic sellers are selling. But okay. you also, surprisingly, certain apartments that come on the market will sit for months and months and months, even though you think they're good apartments and other apartments in the building have also quickly, and other apartments come on and they sell in two weeks. So Is that pricing? I- I think I think that we're seeing that when you start off at a certain price, and even if you continue to drop, by the time you reach the price that you should be at, people look at you as being stale. So if you've been on for a year and you've dropped three or four times, even if you're at a price where it's now considered a steal, it's still sitting. Whereas if you come out of the gate at the right price, we think those are those so are. So it's really about selling. pricing today more than pricing ever today, before. not from yesterday. You, you yes. can't look at. What happened a year ago? What sold a year ago? Or what you paid in 2015. It doesn't matter. So we need real sellers is what we need. And the truth is, it's a wonderful time to buy. Yes. Really good time to buy. So somebody, especially if you're selling something for less money, so you're losing less on that end, and you're upgrading to something for more money, you're gaining on on that end. So it's, it's a really positive market for that kind of buyer. Do you think buyers are starting to recognize that? I think they are. We found actually in the last two or three weeks, we found a lot more activity on our exclusives. We've seen a lot more people jumping into the marketplace. Suddenly, we have three, three bids to four bids on an apartment that's been on the market for a month. Oh, that's months. fantastic! Yeah. We had a couple. They're of- low. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're, They're trying to negotiate. Don't get too excited. <laughs> but it's an estate, and my seller now has become realistic and. Is got, we're sending out a contract hopefully today. That's fantastic. So, yeah. so we found that more people have been entering the marketplace ready to bid in the past couple of weeks and being a bit more serious and ready to go than we saw 
two to three months ago. It also could be because they're all going away for the summer. And it sounds <laughs> like it's so psychological. Yeah. It is. But it it's is so much of it. We joke is there a buyer's meeting that's going on in the entire city because like, it, like the tide ebbs and flows so much together. And, for example, these three bids that she has on the apartment, they all came in at basically the same exact number, and it's pretty far off. And they don't know each price, other. And they don't know each other. The brokers don't know each other. And they're all lingering at basically the same exact number. Mm-hmm. So we so that's what we always say. The buyers make the market, and the buyers really do make the market. Some of them might think their apartments were something, but at the end of the day, they... Um, Although it seems to me like a bit of a shift, because one yeah. year almost, yeah, yeah, right, two years right, ago, right, the right, sellers now, were. Right. Yeah. But the problem is that very often the sellers will blame the broker, and they think that we make the market. Very often, we, we most, most all the time. Always. <laughs> 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 They don't give us credit when the market's great. Right. They, they credit their apartment. Oh, when course. the market's not good, then they blame right. us. That sounds like the stock market, too. <laughs> right, exactly. Fantastic. Well, are there specific issues that people should consider at different stages in their life? For example, they're upsizing due to an expanding family, or they've decided to downsize as their kids have left the nest. And I guess, is this any different today than it was five years ago? I don't know. We always used to say there's like sort of a five-year plan for young families where people buy something, they stay four or five, maybe six years, and then they upgrade to the next level. I think there's a little less of that going on now because I think they feel like maybe they have to have an apartment that's going to last them longer because they don't know what the market's going to be and it may shift. Uh, I think that a lot of people are moving from downtown with young children to uptown because of the schools. Uh, So they want to move uptown. And then we find the opposite, where a lot of couples whose children have grown up think it's really cool to be in Tribeca (laughs) or the West Village or whatever, so they're moving downtown. So I think that's been sort of a shift. Also, I think that people who are in townhouses, a lot of our clients who are in townhouses who are, let's say, more mature, are finding that maybe being, even if you have an elevator, being on four or five levels, is not really where you want to be anymore. Not what so they, they want to go right. So they want to go to a simplex. Okay. Uh, so there's some a of that simplex. Going on. Tell me that term. Just a simplex. one single floor. floor. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Yesterday I learned about a duopoly of Google and Facebook. So now the simplex. Definitely don't know anything about that. But I think also a lot of people who are young don't have the accumulated net worth to get into some of the co-ops. So they're yes. tending to go towards the condos. And even condos, even if they really would prefer to be from Park to Fifth or Lex to Fifth, the condos that they can afford because condos are higher priced are really on First Avenue or Second Avenue. And I think that a lot of them are shifting to that location. Do you think, that, families. Do you think all the building that's going up today is going to change that or...? There's too much building going up today. <laughs> I mean, there's just a lot out there, and I think things are, especially in new construction, are sitting on the market longer. Seems to be a really good product to sell well. Right. I mean, there still are buildings, you know, one that just opened downtown about a month ago, and they're 35% sold, which, you know, for this market is very good. Yep. You have a really good product and a good location. And, and a, a good developer with a and great a, track record. Exactly. People are asking more and more, who's the developer? What's the track record? You know, before, just there was a bunch of amenities. People were drawn to the building no matter where it was and who was the developer. And now you certainly hear a lot more questions. That's so interesting. So you're saying developer, location, yes. amenities, yeah. yes. that those are mattering But a lot more. of times... Well, they have all these amenities, and you go to the building, and you show the building, and then they're ever in the amenities. Of course. They don't really use them. They, well, they, want, they think they want they, them. They, they think, think they want them. them. But they're also good if you plan to buy it and say, you know, maybe in 10 years I'm going to rent it out and buy it as an investment, then 
renters they feel like are more drawn to amenities, to whether amenities. they use them or not. But see, brand new construction is very appealing to a lot of people. But the time the new construction is 10 years old, new construction, as we say, only gets older, whereas pre-war buildings only get better. I like that. It's as really, someone who lives in a pre-war building, right, especially. Right. It's really my favorite thing. And yes. we, we sell both new construction and pre-war, but we all live in pre-war. Yes. And honestly, every year that a building gets older, as long as you keep them up, they really do get more appealing. You really maintain yeah. their, their appeal and but, their attraction. But new construction, there's always something newer, better, more amenities, uh, better finishes. A lot of the older new construction buildings, though, now are trying to update themselves. So right, buildings the that were done in 10 or 15 years ago, which were cutting edge then, now they're redoing the hallways, they're adding redoing more the amenities, um, they're changing you know, the lobbies, so they're trying to keep up with... And do you also you see know. more pre-war adding amenities, whether yes. it's... Yeah, know, my, the, the building that I live in actually has a half basketball court, a half racquetball wow. court, individual wine cellars for each apartment. Okay. It's a pre-war building on Park Avenue, which is very unusual. But they very wanted more, to more of them doing the yeah. wine yeah. cellars. They wanted yeah, to compete to... with, you know, they have a fabulous fitness center. They have a yes. children's playroom. So, so really they, sort they of showing... don't have a pool. No. <laughs> <laughs> they actually thought of putting in a pool, but the insurance was too high. That's but they deal. have a lot of other amenities that the you know new condos have. And are many pre-wars doing that? I wouldn't say many, but most of them now have, have the space. They try right. to maximize You're trying the to maximize, right, they're converting boiler rooms. In our building, we live in a side street pre-war. Yes. We had a, a huge laundry room and a huge bike room, which were mm. unnecessary. So they carved out a space. We have a small gym. We have a great children's playroom. So I think if you have the space and the board agrees to the budget that it takes, you can you can make a lot out of a little. And it's probably pretty forward thinking. Yes. yes. To think uh, about competing with the... Yeah, it has great value to the building. A lot of people, at the very least, they want a fitness center. Mm -hmm. Yes. They want to be able to go work out on a bike and not have to have it in their apartment or not have to go... You go know, to the to, gym or right, equinox. Right. So that's, that's like kind of like a, that. an amenity that pre-war buildings are trying to put in. And do you find sort of every at every stage people are looking for these amenities or are there certain clientele and certain... Well, people with young children are definitely really? looking for the playrooms. Yes. And I, I think... Half basketball court is very appealing. Very appealing. Yes. And I think a fitness room is great at any at any stage, at any stage of right. life. You may not use them that much, but we want to... <laughs> but you like to think they're really checklist. You like to know that it's there. It's right. like a security... That's like fantastic. It. And then other things we think about when we have young couples buying who, you know, relate that they're, you know, interested in starting a family soon, we always encourage them to stretch a little bit for more space because when you have children, as you know, you know, the space suddenly feels a lot smaller. Small. Yes. <laughs> right. All those toys. All those toys. It's always, you know, great to have, you know, the an extra baby room to grow into or an extra room on top of that is a playroom. So space is really a commodity when you're looking to start a family. It really is surprising how small babies are and yet how, how big Fisher Price is. Really <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's true. really sort of a, a big wake-up call. Yes. A big wake-up <laughs> call. And so... So I guess, what's the biggest mistake that people make when buying and selling that you see that you see people making? I think when selling, it's when you, in this market, do a price that's so ambitious that you're so overpriced for the market, and then after two weeks when there's no showings, they're calling you, why isn't anyone showing my apartment? You, you have to be competitively priced. And I think when buying, I think sometimes people get very caught up in maintenance and if you're spending three, four, five, six million dollars, if the maintenance is a thousand dollars more than you want to spend, what does that come to a year? Twelve thousand dollars, or even if it's two thousand dollars more, twenty-four thousand. 
it's not like in the old days when apartments were much less money, so the maintenance really did matter. Yes. And I think also losing an apartment over the difference of a hundred or fifty thousand dollars, if it's your dream apartment, just doesn't make sense. And that goes on both ends, I think, for right. for sellers who right. Right. get they offers get and then say, you know what, we've only been on the market for a month, I'm going to wait, it's like something better is going to come along, and this market is not generally coming along and very any better, often, and very often it's actually The first lower. offer is the best. So, um, and for buyers, oftentimes what we're seeing is that they're not even putting in an offer because they're afraid it's too low, and we think that's often a mistake because you never know. The worst that happens is you get declined, they say no. but you're never going to know unless unless you ask. So do you, you see both of those happening? People yeah, won't put in an offer yeah, so then, or the sellers are going to on a wait and watch for it to drop. But you know, very often in this market, unfortunately, there is a big gap between the asking price and what things are been selling for. I mean, sometimes it could be a really ridiculous offer. I have an exclusive that was asking asking five five, and one person put in an offer of three nine. Well, my seller obviously Ouch. wasn't responding to that. <laughs> no, and it was it was just absurd. I mean, and you're but you're legally obligated to we take that to offer. We have to submit friends. everything. But they said, you know, I said, look, I have to submit this. This is what they're offering. You know, and now we're, we're selling it in the five, a little over okay. five plus range, which is where it wound up. But 3.9 was only maybe three weeks ago. Do you even go back and counter or no. you just say, not we're not accepting it? And, no. There was no place to counter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll come down 25,000. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. I mean, sometimes people put that in and they think that maybe, you know, you know, they'll come back to you. Right. Okay. Another trend that we've been hearing about is for co-ops, sometimes they're afraid the board is going to think that the number is too low, and they've been doing a, a quote-unquote closing credit at the end so the price looks higher, and they give back a credit for construction or work in some sort of legal language that they can give money back to the buyer so that the closing comp price looks higher. And that's happening a lot more now than it was. There are boards yes, that will turn them down because they don't want a bad comp for the building, which is ridiculous because they're really hurting their shareholders. And it's what the market is Correct. supporting right. today. Right. The seller. It's not the seller's fault. Mm. The seller doesn't want to, and the, right. buyer, the broker doesn't want to sell it for less. But it is what it is. And so how do you make those work? You go to the board and you say, we're interested, you know, we've you, got an offer. You're very often done with work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they try to stay away to. from doing that because... It gets complicated. It gets complicated, mm -hmm. but the attorney has to work out. As we say, people have to involve their real estate attorney on that. Oh, that's interesting. So... There are all sorts of mistakes that you guys are there to help people. Very challenging. <laughs> the mom always says the, bad, the worst markets always weed out the bad brokers because they can't survive in it. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> because you've been in this for quite some time, haven't you? Us by next year. <laughs> right, people realize it's not quite as much fun when you're running around not closing right, every day. Right, we'd be joking if we were paid for every apartment that we show versus sell, you know, it would be a very different story. Right. So, so you, could, you could show it for two years and... Nothing could happen, and you spend a fortune, you know, on cab fares, and you know, for us, our time is our money, and it could take so much time, and you know, nothing at all. Right. Sometimes you work with a buyer for three weeks, and and they buy something. So, so on both sides, what's the longest it's taken, and what's the shortest, either on the buying or selling side? <laughs> I had a client who I actually worked with off and on for thirteen years. <laughs> it's the truth. Thirteen she years. She was pregnant when I first met her, and. <laughs> She wound up taking a rental, and then she'd call me in between, and then I didn't hear from her for a few years, and then she called me, and her daughter was 12, and I showed her a bunch of apartments, and I finally got an apartment, and I literally said to her, if you do not buy this apartment, 
you will find another broker because I will not work with you anymore. Wow. And, and she bought the apartment, and I was at her daughter's bus vista at the plaza. <laughs> like she needed a little tough love. A little to somebody but coming that in. Was, and... That was the longest. And then, I, you know, I've had buyers who sometimes will buy from a floor plan. Walk in the sales office, literally say, I'll take three. And sign the contract within a week. I mean, those wow. are the middle days. I have a, a, a buyer. <laughs> yeah. You do right. find those. 2008. Not so people, much now. No, not 2008. People at the Lucida on the Upper East Side, people were lined up for contracts, lined up at the door. Same with 279th Street. You on the Upper get East in. Side, you couldn't get in unless you had a relationship with the sponsor or the broker, which luckily we did. Yes. And, you know, a lot of them sold before they ever came to market. I mean, it was just crazy. It's so interesting. It, it Comparing it to the stock market and really thinking about how cyclical it is. It's, um, yeah. you know, but there's sort of but these... what makes no sense now is the stock market is so much higher than it was a year or a year and a half ago, and yet the real estate market isn't. And usually they go hand in hand. In my experience, and I've been doing this, I won't say how long, <laughs> because it will date me, but I've been doing it a long time, and yes. usually they do go hand in hand. You know, the stock market crashes, it goes down, the real estate market goes down. The stock market goes up, the real estate market it's goes up. It's interesting, the stock market and the economy. Yeah, right. right. And the economy is, is really good. So we're waiting so for, for our... for this to show up. On the broker end is that in a market that's challenging like this, brokers switch firms constantly. Interesting. They, they, you know, just like the sellers blame the broker, the brokers blame the firm. So they think if they're going to switch to another firm, they're going to do better. And then they go to that firm for three months, and then they switch to another firm, or they and come they back to the original. That. You know, it's it's the market. But it is true that a lot of times you'll weed out the, the less good brokers, which is good. So it will be interesting to see what the yeah. what the market looks the like a year from yeah. now. Right. And, in fact, on that note, can you give me one word to describe the real estate market over the next 6 to 12 months? Michelle, why don't you go first? I'd have to say unpredictable. Unpredictable. Okay. Sabrina? Pickle. Pickle. Samantha? Changeable. Changeable. Okay. So pretty much the same. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll have to, we'll have to check back in a year yeah. from now and see. Challenging. Challenging. Body. Body. Erratic. <laughs> see where we end up. Well, how about this? I'm going to end with optimistic. Love that. Love, love that. that. Our favorite. Love that. Love that. Well, really, Michelle Clyer, Samantha Clyer Forbes, and Sabrina Clyer Morgenstern, owners of Clyer Residential, thank you so much. I can see why the New York Times described your scenes as fast, funny, and furious. <laughs> <laughs> you have helped us cover a lot of information today, and information helps us to plan. At the end of the day, planning for all the stages in life is crucial. As a financial advisor at Bernstein, I've helped people through many acts. For more information, you can reach me at emily.grace at bernstein.com or at 212-756-1951. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. And while we cover many topics on stages, here's a quick note on mortgages. If you are thinking about getting a mortgage to finance your home purchase, you should note that recent tax reform changed the rules around deduction of mortgage interest. You can now deduct interest on up to $750,000 of your mortgage. This is down from $1 million. Existing and refinanced mortgages remain deductible up to that $1 million. Call or email me if you would like to discuss further. The information contained herein reflects the views of Alliance Bernstein LP or its affiliates and sources it believes are reliable as of the date of this publication. Alliance Bernstein LP makes no representations or warranties concerning the accuracy of any data. 
There is no guarantee that any projection, forecast, or opinion in this material will be realized. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views expressed herein may change at any time after the date of this publication. This document is for the informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Alliance Bernstein LP does not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. It does not take an investor's personal investment objectives or financial situation into account. Investors should discuss their individual circumstances with appropriate professionals before making any decisions. This information should not be construed as sales or marketing material or an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any financial instrument, product, or service sponsored by Alliance Bernstein or its affiliates.